Welcome to Open Call, where I give career advice, mostly tough love to models, influencers, actors, and parents from all over the world. I try and talk people out of wanting a career as a model. I will explore the dangers of modeling with experts in body image, health and wellness, and spiritual teachers who will share secrets and wisdoms that some of the most famous models and celebrities use to reach the top of the modeling and acting worlds. Hey everybody, it's Paul, and welcome to my podcast, and we are here with Soul, and Soul runs to model management for some very, very dear friends of mine. It's one of the most powerful agencies in Spain. So to start with Soul, welcome, and it's so great to see you. Thank you so much. It's awesome to see you too. Uh, thank you. So, so, so tell my listeners just a little bit about two in Spain and kind of the origination of, of the agency and what the market's all about. Just to get a quick, you know, 60 seconds, just a little bit about two and about the Spanish market. So we opened two. Um, it was seven months ago, more or less. And actually, since the moment that we opened Spain, everything was crazy. We started working right after we have awesome models. Also, we, you know, we have an office in LA. We have another office in Copenhagen, in Toronto. So we had a great backup on opening in Spain. Was and Los Angeles. Yep, in LA. Yep, Toronto. Yeah, you guys have one of the best agencies in Los Angeles. And you have, by the way, if I may, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, I've been doing this a long, long time. And one of the most impressive agents that I have ever watched work in my lifetime is Luke. Yep. <laughs> Luke, who runs the LA2 agency, is the, I, I want to say the fiercest, the one of the most honest, the, the most aggressive, just the fairest. Um, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning. He texts me at four o five. He's an animal. I love him. He's he takes care of one of my biggest stars, Marjan. I just I just think he's one of the best agents I have ever watched represent young people. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's such a like I'm so proud of being working with him. You know, we learn a lot about him. Um, he teaches something new every day, so it's incredible. And the Spanish market, what kind of work gets done mostly? in the Spanish market for, for our listeners? So Spain, I think it was small market. And then the big boss Inditex came up and transformed the whole thing. So right now, Spain is a second market who is getting into the place as a first, a first market, actually. We have, it's awesome because we have all kinds of models work in Spain. We have clients that only look for more commercial models. Then we have other clients who look for the most fashionable and the, the, the high starts and everything in Spain. Like we have models in Spain working right now that 20 years ago, probably we will never think will be working there. And the company that you mentioned, I mean, I know it, but um, my, my listeners don't, but um, may or may not, but um you got some sick clients in Spain, you know, Zara, Mango, some powerful clients that I know that the New York agencies and a lot of the European, Paris and Italian agencies are attacking, attacking <laughs> you guys and attacking those clients, trying to book those people, directly book them and kind of screw you guys out of these great jobs. So, which pisses the shit out of me. But, but do, do, do you, uh, do you find that that happens a lot when these great, great clients um, that you guys have in your market and then these aggressive people in New York start to attack? 
Well, actually it does, but it's true that usually clients are pretty loyal to these Spanish agencies. And right now, almost every model or big model have um, an agency in Spain. So at the end, clients, you know, we we have really good like relationship with the clients and everything. So in general, they keep it loyal. So at least we are not getting into that, you know, fight or anything. And usually we have any kind of problem or something, it's just a you know, we talk with respect and usually it didn't give us any problem or trouble for now. So it's good. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's, good to, that's good to know because some of those other agencies can be very, very aggressive and they just, they attack, they attack. So it's good to hear that you guys are hold, holding, the, holding the fort down for us down there in Spain. Hey, here's my question to you. How is the shutdown, how is COVID-19 affecting the Spanish market? And, and also, my follow-up question is, how is it affecting the agency being shut down for a couple of months that must take its toll on your, on your business, on your, on your business practices? So, at the beginning, like, for, for example, when the year started, we all thought, okay, you know, this is Europe. This is not going to get as big as everyone thinks and everything. So, everything was smooth. We were working. Everything was great. But then a um, couple months later, COVID-19 surprised us all. <laughs> and uh, we had a shutdown from, like, it was, we were working, everything was great. And then in, like, three days, clients started to cancel some jobs. Clients started telling us, no, we are not doing this for now. We need to hold on. We need, like, I know productions that were supposed to be shot, for example, in Argentina, and one day before traveling the whole like team to Argentina, it got canceled. And then I remember it was a Friday that our government told us, actually I was in Madrid having all these meetings and all clients started canceling all these meetings that week. Like, it, like we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. And on a Saturday, the government said, okay, we are shut down for at least two weeks. So those two weeks were kind of weird. Like, I'm a little workaholic, not going to lie. <laughs> so it was like, you, for those two weeks... Was, I love that. <laughs> for those two weeks were more... Was, was just a little like... We didn't know what was going on. So it was like, what should we do? What shouldn't we do it? Like, it, it was kind of weird. But... Again, Amazing Look had the idea of uh, why don't we try to change the way that we are working? Why don't we, instead of expecting the clients fly the models to their studio, we offer them, why don't you send clothes to the models and the models make their own studio at home? So honestly, we've been working like, I don't even know, like, we had a lockdown for like 10 days, but then we, because of look, we proposed this to our clients. The feedback was incredible. Uh, we actually had a couple of clients saying, oh my God, guys, this idea is amazing. Or, oh my God, guys, we were thinking about the same, but we were not sure how we can, how we could do it. So at the end, what we did was start working that way, sending clothes to the models, then the client will send us a mood board, stuff like that. But the problem was that um, because Spain, like with other markets we've been working, it's great. But with Spain, because of the economy and everything, 
a lot of clients started to fire people until this is over. Actually, we have right now, if you feel like our unemployment um, numbers are so high because the government allowed some businesses to just fire people while this is like going on. And that was a problem because um, the only ones that didn't do it were Inditex again. So Zara, Bershka, Pulambir. Um, but also at the same time, those are like nine or 10 brands. So at the end, we had a couple clients, but people were scared. Other people like, you know, when they send the clothes, uh, the moment that they got the clothes back, they needed to disinfect it all. Uh, also, a lot of models are in, in, in countries like Russia, where when they get a package, they need to like control every single thing that is inside. You need to prove what is it for. So the first moment was faster, then it, it got a little slower. But it's, it's true that um, after another like two weeks, clients started like shooting, like finding photographers in London, Paris, and started working with models there. So not going to lie, we kept working, so I can't complain. <laughs> so, so here's my next question in regards to that. So how do you think the pandemic is going to affect the modeling industry as a whole? Meaning, do you feel the rates are going to go down? Do you feel people are still going to be putting on fashion shows? Do you think people, when do you think people will start to feel comfortable sending their kids to the Spanish market as a whole? What do you think the pandemic is, is the effect the pandemic is going to have on our industry? I actually think that we're going to have, Stuff that is going to help, stuff that is going to, you know, we are going to have, as we say in Spain, we need to reinvent ourselves. So, for example, I think some of the changes is we are going to become more humans. Because right now, you know, we are going to forget that thing that a lot of people, a lot of in this industry have that the models are products. Because now we rea realize that we are, that the models are just like products, you know, that... They are not humans. Yeah. So at the end, that is going to help. I think uh, a lot of clients are going to take this more serious. No, no, they are people. They come here to work as you are. Um, so I think that's going to help because, you know, now they are taking care more of the people. Um, they are taking care more of the photographer, the stylist, everyone that works there. So that part is going to be positive on my, on, on my opinion. Also, I think that they had to, again, try to get out of this situation the best they could. So I think that, for example, studios are not going to be that needed. They are going to try, at least not in one spot. Maybe they start, like, renting studios outside the city. Like, they, they don't need Spain anymore. Maybe now we have 10, we need 10 studios in Spain, but then we need five in London, six in Paris, 10 in New York, and less work with people, photographers, stylists from all over the world, not just the ones that are in Spain, for example. Do you think, do you think the rates are, rates are going to come down? Do you think the rates are going to come down for the kids? Do you think the fashion shows are going to take place in the big major markets with all the congregation of the kids in the backstage and the people in the front of the house, you know, where they sit and things like that? How do you think it's going to affect that? Fashion week for sure. Um, pretty sure it's going to change the whole thing. I don't, I don't think that people can like allow those many people in one 
time, like at one time in one place. Like I don't think that is ever gonna work. Uh, also, because people are not gonna feel that comfortable, they're gonna be scared. So I think that might change a lot. Maybe that even influence the models. Meaning, maybe we don't have fifty models now. We have twenty-five models with two changes or two outfits this time. So this might change being like, okay, now we want better models or we want the best. And this could be negative in terms of maybe we're going to have always the 25 same models walk, walking from the same brands. I'm not sure. All right. Harder to get, do you feel that that process is going to make it harder for people like you and I to create more stars, less girls doing fashion shows, less new faces doing fashion shows, less new faces, us wanting to send to international markets, thus less stars that we can create, which is going to sooner or later, probably sooner, affect our bottom line. I completely thought that's going to happen because, that, for example, in Milano, maybe they cannot afford having a casting with 4,000 people at the same time in a huge line that, you know, that goes all over the street in Milano. So I honestly think that will affect us all. Yes, but at the same time, that pushes us to put more effort on our new models, uh, bring new models to the table. I don't know. We'll see. But and regarding rates, for now, it hasn't affected that much. It's true that, for example, the usages have went down because, for example, we had brands that every time that they shot a model the usages was online and stores and stuff. So they had two months old stores closed in Spain. So those usages at the end made the rate a little, a little lower, but if they are opening back again and it seems like everything is going back. So about rates, either the good models are going to have a higher rate either, you know, so they have less press models working, but for now it's not happening for now. We are still working with press models, usual rates. So I don't think if this keeps going this way. Let me ask you some personal questions. Of course. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. What What do you What do you What do you dig most about your job? What do you like most about representing talent and models? What, what's that thing that kind of gets you out of bed in the morning, soul? That gets you inspired to do the great job that you do on these kids. I feel that. Um, for me, like I, for me, the models are, it's like we are a family and you are fighting for your family. For me, like when I get to know the models, like for me, it's impossible not to make a relationship with them. Like, you know, they are my friends at the end. And it's like, we are fighting for them and for us too. So it's like, we are all working together. I, and I love that. I love how models come to us just to talk about their mom or about their life like that you know i was actually when i went to college i was thinking about doing psychologies and and you are a psychologist yeah job. Exactly. You are a psychologist exactly so at the end it's like i'm a little psychologist like working with these kids and i love it's like i feel a little like a mom because i i see them like growing up into the market and also and honestly these models sometimes are much older than my, my like, like than me but at the end it's like I'm a mom of all of them that I love like seeing how they grow how 
you find some like you find someone on the street and then you start like training them and developing them and then you see them you see their face in Zara and in Dolce and Gabbana and Celine, all these brands and it's like like even me I I still walk around Barcelona and when I see my models on stores I get so excited. <laughs> you have no idea. So for me it's like I don't know, I feel like a fan I know I tell you, you know Uh, my one of the great thrills of my career, of my life, is the first job. It's not the second job or the third or the fifth job I get a kid. It's that first job I get a kid, and the joy and the excitement it brings to that young person. And it could be a job for a hundred dollars. I don't know. It could be. It could be nothing. It could be walking for Prada, whatever. But it could be just that first job. But that first moment in time where you know we've worked so hard, we believed in them so much, and then they get that first booking. And and they they can't believe it. They're actually getting paid fifty bucks or hundred bucks or ten thousand, whatever the number is. And it's that first job, that that first moment. Now representing the kind of stars that you and I represent, you know, and they're making ten thousand a day and twenty thousand a day. Hey, you know, we do that all day long. That to me is not the most exciting thing in my life, but it's that first one or two jobs that, you know, for me is is very 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 exciting, and probably for you too. Totally, I agree. And like. The moment that you find a first face and then out of the blue, okay, we want to confirm her or him for the show. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> so, so here's my question. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking over, you know, since this COVID-19 thing has taken place. And and, and one of the things that, that, that have been kind of coming into my mind a lot is the fact that our healthcare workers, our teachers, our nurses, You know, and I'm going to cry right now because it gets me a little bit emotional because my brother is a teacher. And and I see these people that work so hard for us in our communities and they make $50,000, $70,000 a year. A year. They not only put their fucking lives on the line, they teach our children how to be adults, you know, good things. And then I see our models making $3,000 a day or $10,000 a day and they stand in front of a camera. And then I try to figure out, you know, how do you do that? How do you take a, my brother who's making 70, 80 grand a year and he's the principal of a high school and spent 20 years as a teacher or family members that are nurses that are making $44,000 a year. And I got kids that make $44,000 a month, a month, and they stand in front of the camera. And so my question is, now that this COVID-19 has kind of shined a light on that, It's kind of like brought that out to, to the public. It's brought that to the attention. How do you feel about that? How do we live with that knowing that our kids are making X and X amount when people who are truly helping out the world and putting their lives on the line and, 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 and going through a whole process of earning and our kids kind of can step into our world and, you know, in six months, 12 months, be making more than a teacher or a nurse? Well, actually, my mom is a doctor. She's 60, 65 and she's been working through the whole COVID thing nonstop. And this question I ask myself every day of my life, like, because I don't know if you know this, but in Spain, doctors don't make that much money because we have public health care and everything. So at the end, they don't make as much money as doctors do in other countries. And that's why a lot of our doctors move to Germany and stuff like that. So, and this is a question that a lot of my friends that don't work in the fashion industry 
ask me all the time, like, do you really feel good? Like asking for 10,000, 12,000 euros for a woman or a man to just stand in front of, of a camera per day. But at the end, it's, uh, it's for me, it's such a hard question to answer, but it's true that we have soccer players that make much more than these people to just hit a ball. So at the end, yeah, it's unfair. I but do two, two wrongs make a right? Oh yeah, of course. Just because an athlete is earning that kind of money, when our healthcare workers and our teachers and our people that are really important parts of our society are not, and we're supporting an industry where a, a 17, 18 year old, and then let me just follow it up with this question. Are we doing good for the person who makes the six to seven to eight to ten thousand dollars a day? Are we doing something good for their soul? And here's what I mean by that. You know, kid, kid, you know, you or me, we let's say, not me really so much, but let's say somebody flies first class every day. And they get in, they they go and they get in a plane and they're flying first class. And then one day they can't. Gotta find the back of the plane. Usually that person who's used to flying first class they start to really feel like a piece of shit because they're now flying coach. So it, it plays with your mind when you start making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year and you're 17, 18 years old, you're, you're, it, it kind of starts to play tricks on your mind. You think it makes sense to make eight thousand dollars a day. You, do you start do you, do you appreciate things? Do you feel entitlement? Do you truly appreciate, you know, cooking dinner for a friend or when a friend cooks you dinner? Um, those kind of things start to get warped and kind of fucked up in young people's minds because at a young age, we're putting a lot of money into their hands. So the question becomes, are we really truly doing something good for a child that makes that kind of money? Well, me and myself, at least, I always try to te teach these models that this is not real life. People don't make this much money in one day. People don't travel in first class. And the beautiful and the ugly part of this industry is one day you're number one, but the day after you're number 1,000. Right, but here's my question to you. When you're a 17, 18-year-old girl, soul, and people are kissing your ass, they're painting your face, they're telling you how beautiful you are, you're having clothes delivered to you from the most famous designers in the world on your fucking doorstep that you do not have to pay for, what type of an effect does that have? And, and your, your dad is a teacher. He's making 800 bucks a week. You're making that an hour. Now your dad says, go clean your fucking room. And my question becomes, are we truly doing something good to make that person the kind of money that they're making when the sister's a nurse busting her ass? What's, what's the dilemma going on in that young person's mind? Are we, are we truly looking at things that deep? And then if you put that aside for a moment, those are for the kids who do well. Now let's talk about the kids who don't do well. Let's talk about the kids that go five times a day, 25 times a week, 100 times a month, 1,200 times a year, living underneath a microscope, having somebody physically judge their physical features, putting all their emphasis on their physical looks. So the question becomes, if we truly care about these kids, if they were our little sisters and our little brothers, if we were really true in our hearts to them and to ourselves, if a young kid does great and she starts making $10,000 a day, will she ever really appreciate what $10,000 means? 
If she doesn't do well and lives underneath a microscope and is rejected and puts that much emphasis on her physical trip, are we doing something good for that young person? Well, I think us as bookers, that's part of our job. Like keeping them down when they are getting high and keeping them high when they are down. Meaning helping them when, you know, trying to find a solution to like make their job better, to try to get them there. And then when they are really high, try to keep them on earth. Because that's what I mean. Like one day you're number one, the day after you're, you're nobody and nobody wants you or nobody. So if we are doing good. What you're saying right now, Sol, to me, in my humble opinion, is one of the key jobs as an agent. Meaning we can all make kids money. We can all make kids famous. You've made people famous. I've made thousands, you know, hundreds of kids fucking famous. But I think the true job is to understand that, that double-edged sword. If you do really, really well, mm-hmm. your, your child is going to have entitlement issues. They will not understand the, how hard it is to make $10,000. If they don't do well, they're probably going to be 40 years old one day and look in the mirror and they may not like what they see. Totally true. And it's sad. <laughs> and it's sad, right? And that's why, in my humble opinion, I, I say this with love in my heart, that's why people like you are needed in our industry because that is a, that is a cocktail that is a very scary cocktail for young people to take. Fame, to go along with physical rejection, put that together at a very young age, and then the over-sexualization with heterosexual men disrespecting many young people in our industry. I can say that as a heterosexual man, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing, but I have sisters and a mom that, that are everything to me. So I look at women in a very different way, but, but putting young people, young girls, especially into an industry that's over-sexualized, where their physical features are going to be judged, where there are, it's going to be hard not to have entitlement issues. You and me, you know, we represent influencers who have millions of, of followers and um, they get, they, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars for taking selfies. Yep. You take a picture of yourself on your freaking iPhone and you're going to make $6,000. And then the $6,000, they don't even realize what that $6,000 means. And so my question always becomes, are we, when we put young people into our industry, are we helping them or are we hurting them? What are we truly doing for them as human beings? And now that the COVID-19 thing has come about, I just think that it's shined a light on what people earn and what people don't earn. And it really shows us that people that are really important in our communities are really being compensated in a very interesting way, I guess, and not maybe a fair way. What do you think? No, fair, for sure. No, it's really unfair. But it's true that um, I think having a good booker that actually cares about the model helps a lot to make him a better person. Our industry is not going to go away. And it is, an, it is an important industry because what we do is we, we, we supply young people that sells fashion and it supports huge, huge amounts of people in, in employment and stuff like that. Um, but I just think that because we deal with such young people, it needs people like you because it does have these difficult elements of part of our industry. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> 80% of the women in the world 
say that images of women on TV and in the movies and in fashion magazines and advertising makes them feel insecure. Imagine that for a moment. 80% of women think and are insecure based upon the images that you and I are putting out there into the world. We can quote dysmorphia, anorexia, numbers that are going through the roof. Um, and I guess my question is, do we as, as agents and managers of talent, do we have any responsibility for that? Do we, and what can we do about that? If, if these are true facts, if the average woman is five foot four and weighs 140 pounds while the average fashion model is five foot 11, 117 pounds, most fashion models are thinner than 98% of the American women, 98%. And so then my question becomes, if you're a good human being, I'm a good human being, we're, we're putting out images into the world that are causing insecurity of young, beautiful women. We're also putting images out there into the world that are causing women to think they're, they're fat when they're not fat, when they really have beautiful, beautiful, healthy bodies, but they're looking in the mirror because of our industry and they're thinking maybe you know, maybe I'm not a beautiful person because, because Marjan Jonkman weighs 117 pounds and she's five foot 11. And I guess it's just, it's just, it's not a comment on our industry. It's more of a question to one of my fellow colleagues to say, you know, by putting people into this industry and then putting out those images, what can we do to change those things? And are we doing something that is truly positive? I actually think the industry is changing a lot it's true, but I think we have a lot of work to do because I totally agree with that. Like when I was super, like when I was super young, I always also thought that like, oh my God, actually fashion industry was an industry that I was not interested on. <clears throat> Sorry, especially because of this. Um, I think there's a lot of work to do a lot. I think it's getting on there, but it's just slow process. But it's true that sometimes I think that to myself too. Like I defend of like, love yourself, love how you are, love how you look. I lived in America for a long time and I've seen that in my friends, in everywhere. And also in Spain, Spain, it's insane. Here's my question to you, you know, me, you know, I, I got this stupid little job sometimes where they put me on television and, and people interview me and shit. And, and me as an older, man, if somebody judged my physical features, and they do in the press, but if they did that to me five times a day, 25 times a week, I don't know, man. I fuck, I, I don't know if I could handle that. I, I have trouble handling that. Imagine being a 17, 18-year-old girl that has to go through that, not being an, an older man, you know, who, you know, maybe has his feet on the ground, maybe many times doesn't, but imagine being a 17, 18-year-old girl that has to go through that process of, putting so much emphasis on something she can't change sooner or later. It's got to be a little bit damaging. Don't you think? Totally. And I've seen a lot actually. So, uh, what I try, I talk to the girls, the boys all the time and, uh, you know, try to, to be that voice on his mind that tells them you are beautiful, how you are. And that's it. The, the matter that you like the, the thing that you're not working it doesn't make you uglier or fatter or something like that. It's true that 
again, I think the industry is, is changing, but it's true that sometimes they just want five eleven food girls told, you know, so at the end it's pretty hard. And I think it's harder for the girls than for the boys, because for the boys, usually you don't have to, you know, usually their body, it is how it is and they work for it. But the, the girls, it's easier to get out of the, what everyone's asking for and all that. So I, for me, honestly, that's the worst part of the industry. You know, I think, and I'm going to leave you with this. I'm, first of all, you're great. Thank you so much. Your consciousness and the way you do something great. Um, you know, here's the way I just want to put something into your thought process, if I may. I believe, and I've been taught, that um, if people that are beautiful, physically beautiful in our world, don't understand that their physical beauty is a blessing from God, it'll be the one thing that haunts them for the rest of their lives. If they don't actually see this as a blessing, it'll fuck them up like you have no idea. Secondly, I believe that if they're going to be involved in the modeling industry and they're going to be rejected about their physical features five times a day, 25 times a week, 100 times a month, 1,200 times a year, and if we understand that the $10,000 or $4,000 or $5 million or the amount of money that they're making is, um, is a gift and a blessing and it has to be used in the right way, if they use this to figure out a way to give back to the world, then they can deal with all the bullshit that they have to go through of their psyche of being rejected five times a day of understanding that, yeah, maybe I made $10,000 for standing in front of a camera and my sister who's a nurse made 150 bucks today, but I'm taking some of my money and I'm doing things in a good positive way for my family, for my community, for others around me. Then it doesn't fuck with my mind as much. It doesn't mess with me as much because then I can, then my soul, it doesn't matter what I consciously think. Well, I'm making this money because I'm working hard and I have to live on plain bullshit. What you're doing is nothing. I can stand in front of, if somebody wants to pay me $10,000 to stand in front of a camera, I'll do it all day long. I certainly won't fucking complain about it. That's for sure. But if my consciousness was pay me the $10,000 so I can give back more to the world, so I can become a role model and I can use my power in a way to help other young people and to change certain things, then I think it can, it can, it could become a positive in the long run versus something where I'm looking in the mirror going, fuck, I just made all that money and I wasted it. And the reason why people waste it is because they don't understand that concept. They don't understand that there's a process, anything that you want to have. I believe in my humble opinion, anything that's going to, where you're going to get lasting fulfillment, lasting fulfillment, you have to go through a process. You, if you're given something as a gift, it will never last to be a lasting long fulfillment. You'll get to fame, you'll lose the fame. But if that process takes time and it, you have to earn it, then you can, you can that, that fulfillment can last. So whenever we create stars very quickly, it's, it's, it's great for us. But then the question is, is it great for the child? It seems in the moment it's great for the child, but is it great for the child in the long run if all of a sudden she becomes famous and all of a sudden she's flying first class and all of a sudden Donatella's hanging out with her and all of a sudden Mrs. Prada thinks she's the most amazing thing in the world. At the moment, that's incredible. But I've been watching these kids 10 years later. And what I see 10 years later is, you know, they, they, my life story was purchased by Warner Brothers. They call it creation of monsters. 
creation of monsters. And I always thought to myself when they came up with that title, I was creating monsters. And it makes sense. I take a young kid, I make her famous very quickly. She becomes a fucking monster. But the reality was, I say this with all the humility in my heart, I was the fucking monster. And why was I the monster? Because I never realized that I was putting young people into this world and not explaining to them what's about to take place if they didn't handle it properly. I was the fucking monster. I'm trying to become less of a monster. And I'll leave you with that. <laughs> That's really nice. And actually, it's going to make me think a lot. <laughs> the reason I wanted to speak to you was because I wanted people to understand from a top agent, a leader in our industry, which you are, what's happening in the Spanish market, how the Spanish market is handling the COVID-19. But then I also wanted to get deeper to let them know there are people like you, people like you in our industry that care. We care. I'm going to cry right now because we care about young people. We care and we ask these kinds of questions. We don't just put kids into this industry and then make all this money We actually care about young people and, and, and we may not have all the right answers, but we care and we're asking these questions so we can become better agents, better managers and God willing, better people, and better sons and daughters to our parents. Oh, yeah. This job for sure made me a better person. So that's for sure. And I can tell you, I care. <laughs> But I see it in your eyes. I see it in your eyes. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. And I thank you so much for, you know, you, have a, you may not realize it, maybe you do, but you have a very big responsibility. You have a bunch of young people who look up to you and you have a very big responsibility to these young people. And from my heart to your heart, I love you. And I thank you so very, very much for being who you are. Thank you, Paul. Have a beautiful day. See everybody later. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Open Call. This is your career, your life. Be bold and dream big. If you'd like to receive career advice from myself, please go to paulfishershop.com forward slash career advice.